Hallelujah. Isn't it great to be in the presence of God this morning? You know, this beats Barry Beats, doesn't it, for sure. You may be seated just for, just for a few moments. We're going to just want to share. It's just an honor and a privilege to be able to minister the Word of God to you this morning. Pastor Dave and Faye, they send their love. They're, in, uh, they're just having a time of uh, refreshment in Devon there somewhere with the kids. And uh, they just wanted to send their love this morning. But are you ready for the Word of God this morning? Amen. Do you know, it's, it's, uh, it's a real privilege and an honor to be here and to be able to minister the Word of God. I just pray this morning, Lord, I just pray, Lord God, that, Lord, what is spoken this morning will be of you. Father, I thank you that I step out of the realm of the flesh into the realm of your spirit, O oh God, today. And I pray, O oh God, that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart will be pleasing and acceptable in your sight. Lord, my rock and my redeemer. And everybody said, Amen. 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 I, uh, you know, I was meditating and thinking about today, and, and Pastor Dave asked me to minister, and I just, I just sensed by the Spirit of God, I just wanted to share a very simple message this morning on a scripture that we've heard many times before. In fact, it's been preached and ministered here since, since Al and I have been back here. And, um, and I just wanted to share a word of God to encourage you and to maybe exhort some of you this morning in the place where you find yourself in life right now. Is that okay? Christmas time, I watched a film called It's a Wonderful Life. Anybody seen the film? It's a great film, isn't it? It's a black and white film made in, I think, 1947. Uh, my, my brother-in-law watches this film every single Christmas just to get him in the mood. It's great. Isn't it? It's an old black and white movie. It's, in fact, considered one of America's best-loved films. How many have seen the film? I know many put their hands up. Well, for those who haven't, the film is about a man called George Bailey. And this man is a, is a generous, loving, kind man. And like many of us, he has hopes, he has dreams and aspirations for himself and his family. He wants to make something of his life. But George finds, as he, as he walks through life, he finds that, that he, he, he's cut down by circumstances. He's disappointed by problems. He's, he's let down by people. And there comes a point in George's life where he feels that there's no way forward, there's no way on. And he feels that he can't go on any longer. And he, he decides on Christmas Eve to end his life by jumping off a bridge. But the story does get better because before George can jump off this bridge, George's guardian angel turns up. And he shows George his life. He shows George that all the good that he's done, all the lives that he touched, all the, the, the people that he helped, and that George, if he had not been born, people's lives would have been far worse off. You see, God, the guardian angel turned up and showed George that no matter how dark his life appeared, no matter how tragic he felt his life had become, you see, in the darkest moment of his life, George realized that his life was bigger, the plan of his life was bigger, the color of his life was far richer than the pain and the turmoil that he was experiencing at that moment in time. And I just felt this morning, you know, there may be people here, you look at your life right now, you look at where you are in life, you're doing your best to serve God, you're doing your best to serve the local church, you're doing your best to love people, but maybe you feel a little bit like George. I'm not saying you want to jump off a bridge, but I'm saying you come to a point in your life where you just cannot see any way forward. You can't see how you can go on. And maybe like George this morning, you just don't know where your life is heading. You're doing your best to serve God. Well, I want to say this morning, I believe God has sent his angel to you this morning 
in the form of a middle-aged, spectacled, bald-headed, slightly overweight man. Do you know the word? The word angel in Greek means angelos. It means messenger. And God wants to tell you this morning, no matter where you think your life has turned out, or where it is right now in life, God wants to tell you that your life has value. Your life has meaning and purpose. Far, it's far greater than what you think. Amen? And I want to I share a scripture this morning just to encourage you in the place where you are in life. As I said, it's a scripture that we've heard many, many times before. It's probably one of the most famous scriptures in the Old Testament. Often we quote it when we don't know what to do. But it's not quoting this verse that will cause us. Maybe if we're being cut down by life this morning, we're on our knees. It's not quoting it, it's it that, that, that will cause us to get back up on our feet. It's living it. The scripture we're going to look at is found in Proverbs 3, 5 to 6. Oh, who said all then? What an awesome scripture. Maybe, you know, the Bible declares, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways. If you're willing to acknowledge Jesus, he will make your path straight. And this morning, very for the, for the time I've got remaining, very quickly, I want to just split this verse into three points. Just to encourage us and, to, and maybe to challenge some of us this morning. Is that okay? Firstly, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. You know, we all go through times of crisis, don't we? We go through times in our life where we just don't know what to do. It's not a case that we're procrastinating or just, you know, holding back. We just don't know what to do. Have you been in a place like that where if you do this thing, it's wrong. If you do that thing, it's wrong. It's almost like you're stuck in between a rock and a hard place. You don't know what to do. Anybody been there? Maybe you're there right now. You just don't know what to do. You're faced with a situation that you don't know what to do. I, was, uh, I worked with a lady that one time, she, she came to work wearing odd shoes. Now, that must be the height of embarrassment for a lady. Going to work with odd shoes. There was one shoe that was a dark brown. There was another shoe that was a light brown. But to make matters worse, she had to go to a really important meeting and meet some influential people. And here was a dilemma. If she went back home to change her shoes, she would have missed the meeting. But if she went to the meeting wearing odd shoes, then she risked somebody seeing the, the shoes and creating a bad impression. You know, I think there are times in life where we go around wearing odd shoes. Anybody, anybody done like, like that lady and, and, and have worn odd shoes? I've worn odd socks, but I know what odd shoes. But there's some times in life where I think that we can, we're in a place where we just don't know what to do. But I tell you this now this morning, there is something that we can do when we don't know what to do. And that is trust in the Lord with all our heart. Amen. And that is where maybe some of us are this morning. You have to trust. With your, with your natural mind and intellect, you can't see a way forward this morning. But I tell you this now. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. If someone was to come up to us, those of us who love Jesus, we know we're born again. Our names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life this morning. We love Jesus with a passion. If somebody were to come up to us who didn't know God this morning and say to us, Can I trust Jesus? Can I trust God to help me through this, this storm? I'm sure most of us, without hesitation, would say, yes, of course you can trust God. Yes, maybe we'd even quote the scripture. You can trust God. You can trust God with all your heart. But I wonder, you know, can I be so bold as to say this morning, do we really believe that? You see, God is saying here, he's not saying trust in the Lord with all your mind. He's not saying trust in the Lord with all your head. He's saying trust in the Lord with all your heart. Trusting God with all our heart is 
trusting God, God at the core of our being, the very center, the very essence of our being. That's what God is saying here. It's not about quoting scripture. It's not about giving the right answer. Trusting God is how we're prepared to live every single second of every minute, every, every hour of every day. That's what trusting God means. Trusting God this morning may be telling the truth when it's easy to tell a lie. Because, you know, nobody will ever find out. Nobody will ever know. Trusting God may, may be giving when it's easy to withhold because we know when we give it's going to sting our pocket and it's going to hurt, it's going to be hard. Trusting God may be forgiving when it's easier to retaliate, to expose somebody's sin just to make our lives look better sometimes. Trusting the Lord may be to take a long journey when people are telling you to take a short one. Because, you know, we'll get there anyway. We'll get to this, the same place. You see, they're the, they're the, that, that's the measure that are willing to trust in God this morning. Do we trust God when nobody else is around us, when nobody else is watching our lives? That is the moment. That's the measure that we're trusting in God. You know, they did, they did a poll in America in 2013 to find out whom the American people trusted the most. Guess who was top of the list? Tom, Tom Hanks King Top. Tom Hanks came top. Sandra Bullock was third and Denzel Washington was third. You try getting all the Tom Hanks when you've got a problem in your family. Listen, you, can, you try getting all the Tom Hanks when you've got sickness in your body. I tell you, if you get a phone number, you'll be doing well. And probably you'll face a lawsuit for stalking him or something like that. But, you know, trying to get hold... And we fick, we're fickle as people. Isn't it wild that we're willing to trust people who we don't even know than those who are closest to us? But I tell you this this morning, we can trust Jesus because he isn't fickle. He'll never let us down. He is a friend truly that sticks closer than a brother. Amen? You know, I heard this, this, this quote I thought was quite amusing. How many of us have gone to a doctor whose name we can't pronounce? He's given us a prescription we can't read. We've taken it to a pharmacist we've never met before. They've given us a chemical compound. We haven't got a clue what it's about. And we take it according to the instructions on the side of the bottle. Talking about trust. How we're willing to trust. You know, we trust stuff that, that we haven't got a clue about. And yet people who love us, people who are closest to us, Jesus, whom, whom is, is, is working every single day of our lives to bless us and to, and to help us. Sometimes we're reluctant to trust in him. You know, I don't know about you, but I will only trust people who have my best interests at heart. Anybody else the same? I'll only trust people who I know that, that love me and are rooting for me, have got the best for me. And I can tell you this this morning, you can trust in Jesus. He'll never let you down. The great preacher D.L. Moody was walking past a high wall one day and he saw five boys on this wall. And, and he saw a man come up to the wall and he motioned with his arms to the first boy to jump, but the boy remained fixed. He remained, remained rooted to the wall. Then he went to the second boy and he again motioned to his arms to the, for the boy to jump, but he stayed on the wall. He did it to the third and fourth. And finally, the last boy, he stretched out his arms and the boy flung himself off the wall into the man's arms. And D.L. Moody was intrigued and he asked the man, why was it? He said, why was it there were five boys on the wall, but only the one boy jumped? And the man said, you see, the fifth boy was my son. See, that son knew that he could trust the arms of his dad. He was going to keep him, he was going to keep him safe. He was going to catch him. 
I want to declare to you this morning, you can trust in the everlasting arms of your Father to keep you. Whether you Listen, you can trust in Him to keep you upright this morning. No matter what situation you go into, His arms are strong enough. He's big enough to keep you firm, to keep you strong. He's never going to let you f- slip. The Bible says, He who watches over you neither slumbers nor sleeps. He will not let your foot slip this morning. No matter what situation you're facing, God is going he's gonna to come up for you. If you trust in Him, if you, rather than try and do it your own way, if you do it God's way, I'm telling you, He's going to come up for you and He's going to keep you safe and He's going to honor you and vindicate you in the place where you find yourself right now. You know, trust in the Lord. This word trust means to lean on. That's the Hebrew word for trust, lean on. In other words, put your whole weight on something. And that's what God wants us to do with our lives. He wants us to put our whole weight that the cares, the troubles, the burdens that we're facing right now, the, the, the good stuff, the bad stuff, all of that, He wants us to lean on Him. Amen? Bill Withers had a song in the 70s, didn't he? What was it called? Do you want to sing it? Listen, I'm not going to sing it because I'm going to make a fool of myself. I'm going to embarrass Nathan because I know he doesn't want me to sing. I'm not going to sing it, but the song goes, Lean on me when you're not strong because I'll be a friend, a friend to carry on. Because it won't be long till you're going to need somebody to lean on. You can lean on Jesus. He's got the biggest shoulders in the universe. Hallelujah. You know, I like what Pastor Ray said one day. When somebody said, ah, you just use God as a crutch. And Pastor Ray said, listen, God, a crutch? God isn't a crutch. He's a whole hospital. Isn't that the case? You can, listen, the whole weight of your life, you can put on God this morning. All, everything you hope to be, all your dreams, your aspirations, the stuff that nobody else knows about. You can cast those on Jesus this morning. The Bible says, cast your cares on him for he cares for you. Amen. You can trust in him to hold you up. Listen, we can, trust, we can trust God this morning because He sees our life from the beginning to the end, doesn't He? He sees the big picture. We maybe just see a part of it. We just look from an earthly perspective. But God sees our life from a heavenly perspective. He sees the end of our lives, even before we've even lived them. And He's got a plan for you. I want to declare this morning that no matter what you think about your life, He has a plan to prosper you, bless you, to give you hope. In a hopeless situation, God has come this morning to give you hope. Amen? There's a, there's a great song in, a, in an animated movie that I used to love to watch when the kids were little called The Prince of Egypt. Anybody seen that, that film? What a great animated movie that is. And there's a, there's, a, there's a song in that film where Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, is talking to Moses, singing to Moses. And he says these words. And what, I can remember listening to the song and being in a place in life where I just... You know, you know, sometimes God can speak to you through anything, can't he? He can use a song, he can use a movie, he can use, he can use anything. And I can remember this song really touching me. And the word says this. A single thread in the tapestry, though his colors brightly shine, can never see its purpose in the pattern of the grand design. So how can you see what your life is worth or, or where your value lies? You can never see through the eyes of man. You, can, you must look at your life through heaven's eyes. Yes, God wants us to look at our eyes, look at our life, sorry, from the perspective of heaven. But very often we get so bogged down with life, so caught up with stuff that we can't see a way through. But I want to say this morning, you can trust in Jesus because he sees your life. He's plotting for your good. Amen. Hallelujah. Listen, you know, God's plan and purpose for your life this morning may be different to what you think and what other people think. It might be. It could well be. You know, Romans 8.28, we all know the verse. 
It's, the, the verse declares that all things work together for the good of those who love God, who are the called according to his purpose. And so it begs the question, what is his purpose? Well, the next verse says, in Romans 29, it says, For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son. You see, everything in life, God doesn't waste anything in our life. The good, the bad, the joy, the, 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 the tears, the pain, the ecstasy, all the stuff that we go through in life, God doesn't waste any of it. He, he, he doesn't waste one scrap of it. But all of that is to mold us and shape us to be more like Jesus. Isn't that wild? So what you're going through right now in your life is not wasted. God is using it to hone you and make you more like his son. Hallelujah. Amen. So you can trust in the Lord with all your heart. See, God's not just interested in where you're going, but he's interested in whom you're becoming. But you can trust in God with all your heart. Secondly, Lean not on your own understanding. This command to trust in the Lord with all your heart is reinforced by the command that follows it. Lean not on your own understanding because here is where the conflict lies. When God's will, when it, when it conflicts with our will, which one are we going to choose? Which one do we choose? We're, you may be going through a situation right now are you going to go into default mode? Are you going to act the way that you've always acted? Are you going to behave the way you've always behaved? You're going to do the same stuff and, and, and produce the same results? Or are you going to now start to trust God? Are you willing to trust God right now where you are? I said this a, a couple of weeks ago in offering. You know, this is not, I want to say this morning, this is not the time to do it your way. This is the time to do it God's way. This is the time to do it God's way. Not your way. You know, the, the disciples, the night that Jesus was to be betrayed, there in the upper room, they were jockeying for the best seat amongst the table. They were fighting and bickering and arguing amongst themselves who was going to be the greatest. They were doing it their way. But the Bible says that Jesus, after supper, he arose, he laid aside his garments, he took up a towel and he washed their feet. Jesus showed him his way. And it blew their minds. It blew their minds. Peter said, Lord, you're not washing my feet. Pastor Dave spoke about it last week. He said, Lord, you're not washing my feet. And Jesus said, listen, if I can't wash your feet, you have no part of me, Peter. And then Peter, a man of extremes like many of us, he said, Lord, don't just wash my feet, wash my hands as well. You see, Jesus was saying, listen, if you want to see my will, you have to do it my way. How many want to see God's will done this morning in our lives? Then we have to do it his way. Our way is not going to cut it. Our way is not going to be good enough. We have to do it his way. Amen? Hallelujah. You know, how many times have you and I, I don't know, as a pastor, I've seen people and you, you, you see them. You cannot trust in your own navigational system to get you through life. You can't. You cannot trust in your own moral compass because it'll end up taking you down a road that will lead ultimately to, to a dead end. Death is a road to lead you down if you just trust in your own instincts, in your own compass inside of you. But how many of us have seen people and we've, we've exhorted with them? You can see they're going down a road. You can see they're heading to a place that's going gonna, it's gonna to end up in a heartache. It's going to end up in pain. We see it. And we exhort them and we plead with them. And we say, look, listen, don't do that. But as much as you, 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 know, you admonish them and you encourage them to go in a different direction, they go down the road and you see, maybe weeks, months or years later, you see the fruit of their labor. You see 
the, 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 the pain that the, the, the life has produced. You know, I think that this illustration makes the point really well. Pastor Ray has, has, has used this before. I nicked it off. I nicked loads of good illustrations of Pastor Ray. It's great. But he talked about it. The captain of a ship looked in the dark night and saw faint lights in the distance. Immediately, he told his signalman, send the message. Alter your course 10 degrees and south. Promptly, a return message was received. Alter your course 10 degrees north. The captain was angered. His command had been ignored. So he sent a second message. Alter your course 10 degrees south. I am the captain. Soon another message was received. Alter your course 10 degrees north. I am Seaman Third Class Jones. Immediately, the captain sent a third message, knowing the fear it would evoke. Alter your course 10 degrees south. I am a battleship. Then the reply came. Alter your course 10 degrees north. I am a lighthouse. How clever we think we are sometimes. You know, sometimes our head strong ways, our heart is weak, our head is strong, we'll go down a road that's going to lead to destruction. Listen, if you're in the dark right now and there's all kinds of voices shouting in your ears, vying for attention, telling you to go this way, listen, this is not the way to do your own thing. This is the way to do it God's way. Listen, Jesus, the Bible says, is a lighthouse. He's a light unto our feet. He's a lamp unto our path. He's the captain of our salvation. He's the one this morning that can navigate you through the storm of life, a storm that may be threatening to shipwreck you this morning. Jesus is the only one who will get you through. Amen? Amen? Jesus, if you're willing to trust in him, Jesus will help you. The Bible shows us many great examples who are willing to do it God's way instead of their own way. There's, there's, there's lows, isn't there? And I was just thinking about Abraham. There he was, Abraham. He was an idol worshipper in a place called Ur of the Chaldees. He was there and God spoke to him. He heard the voice of God. And he was prepared to leave his father. He was prepared to leave his mother. Everything that was familiar to him. And go to a place that he didn't even know about. That God was going to reveal to him. But his finest moment. I was thinking about this. His finest moment. His greatest hour was when he sacrificed his son Isaac. You see, everything was wrapped up in his son. The promises that God had given him were all wrapped up in his son Isaac. Yet Abraham was prepared to take Isaac up to Mount Moriah to build an altar and slay his son. To sacrifice his son, believing that even though he slayed him, that God was willing to resurrect him and fulfill his promise. Hallelujah. And listen, if... If I was thinking about this, if Abraham had decided to do it his way, he would have never, ever passed the test. Life, do you know life is a trust and life is a test? You may be just being tested by God this morning. And in your pain and in your hurt and disappointment, where you are right now, you may be asking God the question, why has it got to be this way? Why, oh God, why? Why this way? You know, God's not nervous. He, he doesn't get offended when we ask the question, why? As long as, as we're prepared for the answer that he gives us. And the answer sometimes can be, listen, lean not on your own understanding. Because very often the, the answer to the question, why, is trust. Hebrews 10, 38 says, the just shall live by faith. Amen. And you may be in a place right now and God is saying, you've got to just trust. You know, I was... I was building a fence this week, in the week. And I was sticking in some four-by-four wooden posts into the ground to put my rails and then put my boards on for this fence. And I can remember looking at this, the post, the middle post I was setting in. I was gauging that the, the post was upright, 
based on my neighbor's shed that was behind it. So I was looking at my neighbor's shed, looking at the post, and thinking, that's, that's great, that's upright. But I, was, I was basing the, 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 the straightness of that post based on what was behind it, and that was my neighbor's shed. But I thought, well, just before I put my spirit level, uh, sorry, before I set the concrete, I'll put the spirit level alongside the post just to check, to make sure that that, that, uh, that post was upright and that post was straight and in line. To my amazement, when I put the spirit level alongside the post, the post was out probably from the top to the bottom about six inches. I tell you, that's how bad my eyesight is. But here's the point. You know, I looked at that post. You know, we have, a, we have a spirit inside of us. We have a spirit level inside of us. He's called the Holy Spirit. He's the one who keeps us, our lives on track. He's the one that will guide us and lead us. But here's the point. You, listen, it, there, are t- if, there are times in our lives where against the backdrop of pain, against the backdrop of hurt, disappointment, disillusionment, discouragement, we may be headed in one direction and natural emotions in our sight will tell us to go in one direction, but God is saying go in another. You see, just like, I was thinking about this, just like a builder or a carpenter, we would trust in the level to keep whatever he's building upright. We have to trust in God, the master builder. We have to trust in the Holy Spirit that what, the work that he started in us, folks, he's going to complete. And he's doing a great work, amen? He doesn't mess about it. He doesn't potch up. He doesn't use inferior materials. Regardless of what you think about your life this morning, he's using the best stuff, amen? But he's going to keep our lives on track. You can trust him. You can trust him. Lean not on your own understanding. And finally, in all your ways, acknowledge him. The Hebrew word acknowledge means to see him. It means to see him. God wants us to see him. There was a monk, wasn't there, called Brother Lawrence, who, called, who wrote a book, book about practicing the presence of God. Whether he was in the garden, in the fields working, or whether he was in the kitchens, he would sense the, the tangible presence of God. How many have, have experienced God like that? Experienced him so close. But you know, there are times when I, when I know that God withdraws his presence. But you know, God wants us to see him in every part and facet, seek him, sorry, in every part and facet of our lives. He wants us to see him. I don't know about you, but I, work, I, work, I, couldn't get, I couldn't get through the day in work without Jesus. I couldn't. I work in, a, in a, quite a busy office. I deal with antisocial behavior, people kicking off. They've been abusive to one another when they're playing loud music and, and you know, all hours of the night. And, and, you know, there are times where I look at these people and, and often, you know, it's often we have, I deal with complainants and perpetrators. And it's, it's, very, it's, it's quite interesting how people don't often want peace. They just want justice. They just want vengeance. They don't want to let bygones be bygones and shake their hand. They want somebody to pay for what's going on. So I, I'm, I deal with that all day. You know, like when you're in school and kids are fighting. Ever, been, ever, ever seen a scrap in school and a teacher comes in, he tries to separate the kids, and then the teacher gets clonked as well? That's how I feel. And that's just working with the staff, let alone the people i got to deal with. But you know... Do you know, I couldn't get through a day in work without Jesus. And do you know where my sanctuary is? It's a toilet. It's a toilet. You know, they built this, this, they built this room of contemplation where I work, which is on the fourth floor. Right? It's where you can have a little cry if you want to. It's where you can pray. You know, it's, a, it's great. But you know, my, my sanctuary is a toilet. When I'm having a sprinkle, I give God a tinkle. I do a cry. I, do a, I know that may be... Listen... I do it. 
Because I'm in the toilet, I'm drinking so much tea, I'm in the toilet all alone. But I can cry to God and say, Jesus, help me. Help me, Lord. You know, I might, not exp- I might not feel his presence while I'm in the toilet, but I know he's with me, working for me, helping me, giving me wisdom to get through the day. And you may be here this morning, you're crying out of God, and it seems as if God is a million miles away. You can't, you can't feel him, you, can't exp- you don't experience him, you don't sense his presence. Listen, he's with you. Even though you, can't necess- you, you don't sense his presence, he's with you and he's working for you. Pastor Dave said, and Pastor Ray has said it, listen, God is doing more behind our back than he's in our, doing in our face. He's working for you today, I guarantee it. Just hang in there. D.L. Moody, the great preacher, used to have a great saying. He said, don't give up your ticket when the train is in the middle of the tunnel. Because at some point, you're going to come out of it. You're going to come through. But you may be in a place right now when you don't sense the presence of God. Do you, have you ever played hide and seek? And when, when you were kids, do you ever play hide and seek? It was great for the first 20 or 30 minutes. There would always be one sneaky kid you could never find, wouldn't there? You'd never find him. He'd always be sneaky. He, he, and, and then eventually you say, look, come out wherever you are. I give up. I ain't going to play this anymore. And that kid would come out from behind the lamppost or the car or the hedge or wherever he was hiding. But he was there all along. But it might seem this morning that God is playing hide and seek with you. And the great thing about God is when he plays hide and seek, you'll never find him. Because his, his hiding places are awesome. But I want to say this. If God is not close to you this morning, if God is hiding his face from you, it's not because he's mad at you. It's, it's not because he's ashamed or embarrassed. There's a reason, and it's because he loves you. He's, he's maturing you. But the Bible declares that you will find him if you seek him with all your heart. And I tell you this, at the right time, you're going to behold the presence of God. You're going to experience his power, his anointing, and his deliverance in your life. And you're going to come out of this thing you're in right now, if you trust God. The Bible talks about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Those three Hebrew men, courageous men, that were willing to stand against the idolatrous nation that they were in. King Nebuchadnezzar had built this golden image, hadn't he? And he, he told them to bow down and worship that thing. And, and they said, listen, listen, we, we trust God. We love God. We're not going to bow down to you. We're not going to bow down to that. Listen, we don't have to conform to the pattern of this world. Listen, it's time some of us, in this PC, lukewarm world that we live in, it's time for some of us to call a spade a spade. And, and stick with what we, we you know, and, and stick to the courage of our conviction, nail our colors to the mast, and say it as it really is. We need to do that. And these men were prepared. They said, listen, King, we're not going to, our God can deliver us, but even if he doesn't, we're not going to bow down to this idol. And it says in Daniel, let, let's just read this. It says in Daniel 3, 24 to 25, Then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished, and he rose in haste and spoke, saying to his counselors, Did we not cast three men bound into the midst of the fire? They answered and said to the king, True, king. Look, he answered, I see four men loose walking in the midst of the fire, and they're not hurt. And the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. You see, Jesus, the Son of God, was there all along. But at the right time, he revealed himself. And I want to say this morning, listen, if you're trusting in Jesus, at the right time, he's going to reveal himself. At the right time, he's going to, you won't have to try try and kick the door down. You won't have to try and set yourself free. Jesus is going to do it for you. Listen, I think there are times when we don't help God because we try and do it for ourselves. And we tie God's behind his back, but hands behind his back. But God is saying this morning, let him do it. The battle is the Lord's and the victory is ours in Jesus' name. Hallelujah.
In all your ways, acknowledge him. This is what God says. In all your ways, acknowledge him. I want to challenge, I want to exhort you this morning. If there are parts of your life where you're not, not acknowledging God, then change them. If you're in a crowd right now, and you cannot acknowledge God, then get more boldness, or get another crowd. If you're in your workplace right now, and you cannot acknowledge God, and listen, jobs are hard to come by, but if you're in your workplace and you cannot acknowledge Jesus as your Savior and your Lord, then I tell you this, you need to find another job. Or get more boldness, one or the other. Amen? On closing, there's a great story in the Old Testament where we see a man in the, great, in the midst of a great adversity acknowledge God. His name was David. And listen, David was a man that was willing to stick to the courage of his convictions. And it says in 1 Samuel 30, verse 1 to 8, I'm going to read this, this, this portion of Scripture. David and his men reached Ziklag and on the, th- on the third day. Now the Amalekites had raided the Negev and Ziklag and they'd attacked Ziklag and burned it and had taken captive the women and all who were in it, both young and old. And they killed none of them but carried them off as they went on their way. And when David and his men came to Ziklag, they found it destroyed by fire and their wives and sons and daughters taken captive. And David and his men wept aloud until they had no strength left to weep. Have you been in a place where you've wept so hard? You cried so long that you've got no more strength. Jesus knows. He knows, boy. He knows. Hallelujah. So David's two sons and wives had been captured by Ahinoam and Jezreel and Abigail, the widow of Nabal of Carmel. And David was greatly distressed because the men were talking and stoning him. Each one was bitter in spirit because of his sons and daughters. But David found strength in the Lord his God. And David said to Abiathar, the high priest, or the priest, sorry, the son of Elimelech, bring me the ephod. And Abiathar brought it to him. And David inquired of the Lord, shall I pursue the raiding party? Will I overtake them? Pursue them, he answered. You will certainly overtake them and succeed in the rescue. Imagine the shock that David must have felt. Imagine the, 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 the heart-sinking, gut-wrenching fear of going back to their home and seeing it burned up, seeing that the, the place plundered. You know, they, these men, had, they traveled about three days. They were, they were battle-weary. They were tired. All they wanted to do was just to go home and rest. They were expecting their kids, I'm sure, to run out and greet them. The wives on the doorstep, they give them a hug. And all that they saw was a smoke from this plundered camp. Just imagine it. Just put yourself in their shoes. Just imagine coming home from work on a Monday evening to see a street blown up, bombed up. And maybe your wife or your husband and your children taken captive. That's what, that's what David was going through. But to make matters worse, to make matters even worse, the people that he trusted, the people who said, David, we'll stand shoulder to shoulder with you, David. We're with you all every step of the way. They wanted to stone him. They wanted to stone Anybody trying to stone you this morning? They're slating you. You're doing your best. You're doing your best where you are. You're doing your best to serve Jesus. And people are slating you. God sees that. And listen, I want to say this. The people often that shout the loudest are the ones that disown us the quickest. But what did David do? Did he get angry? Did he get bitter? Did he cry to God, why me, God? Why, uh, why are you allowing this to happen? No, the Bible says that he acknowledged God. He saw God. And, and, God said to, and David asked God, God, what do you want me to do? And God said to him, listen, David, pursue your enemies because you will overtake them. And you will take back everything that the enemy has stolen from me. I want to declare this morning 
Listen, the enemy isn't running after us. We're running after the enemy. Amen? The Bible says that the kingdom of heaven is forcefully advancing. We're moving forward. We are moving forward. And I declare in Jesus' name that our loved ones, our families, maybe our husbands or our wives, our sons or daughters are held bound captive by the enemy. In Jesus' name, he has to release them. The Bible says, yeah, and not just release them, give back much, much more than he's stolen from us. Amen? Hallelujah. We're on the offensive, not the defensive in Jesus' name. But God, on closing, let me just say this now. If we trust in the Lord with all our heart, if we lean not on our own understanding, if in our ways we acknowledge him, the Bible declares that God will make our path straight. The term, the term making our path straight means, it means cutting a highway or a path. It means making a way where there doesn't seem to be a way. Just like the picture of the kingdom of mind, 2,000 people plus women and children going through a red sea, going through a wall of water, Jesus was able to make a way. God made a way. Have you, um, something I saw some time ago, you know when it snows and maybe a motorway and you see that the thing is, is closed and, and I can remember seeing a picture of snow plows, a bank of snow plows on the motorway clearing thousands of tons of snow and behind it was the traffic just crawling as the snow plows were moving forward. That's the picture. That's the picture that God is, is showing you this morning. Your life this morning may be a maze of contradiction. You look at your life and it's like a row of bomb doses. You cannot see any way forward. Listen, Jesus can make a way where there's no other way. He can do it. What, what, is it. what is impossible for man is possible with God. All things are possible. Just stick in there. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him. I declare in Jesus' name he will make your path straight. And you may be looking at your life this morning and think, my God, how can you make something of this? How can you turn this around? Listen, Jesus, if you trust him, he's going to do it. Let me, just, let me just share, just very, very quickly. I just want to share this folk tale. I just felt led to, to just put it in this message. And I want to share this. For those of you that you think your life is not worth anything, God's plan for your life is far, far bigger than what you know. You may have heard this before. and it's, You'll know where I'm going with it, but it's, it's, I think it might be relevant. Maybe for a few people here this morning. It's entitled The Tale of Three Trees. Once upon a mountaintop, three little trees stood and dreamed of what they wanted to become when they grew up. The first little tree looked up at the stars, twinkling like diamonds above him. I want to hold treasure, he said. I want to be covered with gold and filled with precious stones. I will be the most beautiful treasure chest in the world. The second little tree looked out at the small stream trickling by on its way to the ocean. I want to be a strong sailing ship, he said. I want to travel mighty waters and carry powerful kings. I'll be the strongest ship in the world. The third little tree looked down into the valley where busy men and busy women worked in a busy town. I don't want to leave this mountain top at all, she said. I I want to grow so tall that when people stop to look at me, they will raise their eyes to heaven and think of God. I'll be the tallest tree in the whole world. Years passed, the rains came, the sun shone, and the little trees grew tall. But one day, three woodcutters climbed the mountain. The first woodcutter looked at the first tree and said, This tree is beautiful. It's perfect for me. And with a swoop of his shining axe, the first tree fell. Now I shall be made into a beautiful chest, thought the first. I shall hold wonderful treasure. 
The second woodcutter looked at the second tree and said, this tree is strong, it's perfect for me. With a swoop of his shining axe, the second tree fell. Now I shall sail mighty waters, thought the second tree. I shall be a strong ship fit for kings. The third tree felt her heart sink when the last woodcutter looked her way. She stood straight and tall and pointed bravely to heaven, but the woodcutter never even looked up. Any kind of tree will do for me, he muttered. And with a swoop of his shining axe, the third tree fell. The first tree rejoiced when the woodcutter brought him into a carpenter's shop, but the busy carpenter was not thinking about treasure chests. Instead, his work-worn hands fashioned the tree into a feed box for animals. The once beautiful tree was not covered with gold or filled with treasure. He was coated with sawdust and filled with hay for hungry farm animals. The second tree smiled when the woodcutter took him to a shipyard, but no mighty sailing ships were being made that day. Instead, the one strong tree was hammered and sawed into a simple fishing boat, too small and too weak to sail an ocean or even a river. He was taken to a little lake, and every day he brought in loads of dead and smelly fish. The third tree was confused when the woodcutter cut her into strong beams and left her in a lumberyard. What happened, the once tall tree wondered. All I ever wanted to do was to stay on the mountain top and to point to God. Many, many days and nights passed. The three trees nearly forgot their dreams. But one night, golden starlight poured over the first tree as a young woman placed a newborn baby in the feed box. I wish I could have made a cradle for him, the husband whispered. The mother squeezed his hand and smiled as the starlight shone on the smooth and sturdy wood. This manger is beautiful, she said. And suddenly the first she knew he was holding the greatest treasure in the world. One evening, a tired traveler and his friends crowded into the old fishing boat. The traveler fell asleep as the second tree quietly sailed out into the lake. Soon the thrashing storm arose. The little tree shuddered. He knew he did not have the strength to carry so many passengers safely through the wind and the rain. The tired man awakened. He stood up, stretched out his hand and said, Peace! And the storm stopped as quickly as it had begun. And suddenly the second tree knew he was carrying the, great, the, the king of heaven and earth. One Friday morning, the third tree was startled when her beams were yanked from the forgotten wood pile. She flinched as she was carried through an angry, jeering crowd. She shuddered when soldiers nailed a man's hands to her. She felt ugly and harsh and cruel. But on Sunday morning, when the sun rose and the earth trembled with joy beneath her, the third tree knew that God's love had changed everything. You see, it made the first tree beautiful. It had made the second tree strong. And every time people thought of the third tree, they would think of God. That was better than being the tallest tree in the whole world. Listen, you know, you, you, God hasn't finished with you yet. You may look at your life and think, my God, what, what, you know, what's going on? God doesn't waste any hurt, any pain. God is using it all to weave it into the, the, the fabric of his plan and purpose for your life. It's like that thread in the tapestry. You only see a little glimpse, but God sees the big picture. Amen. 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 